Well, folks, we are going to continue our, our series tonight, uh, Matters of the Mind, as you know by now. It, it is called, and we've been spending the last few weeks on the subject of the mind, uh, but what about the body? It's an unavoidable reality. It carries us around from place to place. Let's talk about the body a little bit tonight. Most of our bodies are subject to diverse ailments and afflictions. That's just the way it is. Uh, for all of us who live here, old and young, uh, we find out that things don't oftentimes work the way they're supposed to. We find out that we're subject to uh, illnesses and diseases of various kinds. And I want to uh, make it clear that I surely don't have a simple explanation for the causation of physical maladies and diseases. Uh, probably the causes are manifold, multifactorial. So we don't want to oversimplify things and attribute our physical illnesses to one cause only. But I think there is one cause uh, of um, bodily afflictions that is often neglected, and it's our thought life. It's our minds. It's what's happening on the inside that actually has impact on the uh, state of affairs of our bodies. Now, please don't misunderstand. I don't want anyone to leave here feeling unduly guilty. I am not suggesting that everything that assails our bodies is due to uh, poor thinking. I'm just saying that the state or the quality of our thought, as I think I'll be able to demonstrate to you tonight, very much affects the state or the healthfulness uh, of our physical bodies. Researchers today are, in fact, discovering more and more uh, about this, what we could call mind-body, if you will, connection. Now, don't be blown away by that, because though the researchers are discovering it, uh, Almighty God in the scriptures revealed this connection to us long before science has recognized it. All science is doing is verifying whether it knows it or not, what God has already told us beforehand in the pages of the scriptures. So, for instance, I want for us to dwell just on one verse of scripture tonight. It's found in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 17, verse 22. Just one verse of scripture, Proverbs 17, verse 22. And this is what it says. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. And so there you see evidence of the mind-body connection because as I've mentioned in prior weeks, when you see the word heart in Old and New Testaments, most often it's a reference to the thought life, to the mind, not the heart, the, the organ that pumps blood, but the heart as a representation of the mind, the essence of the internal environment, the, the, the seat of our thought processes. This verse of scripture is saying the quality of one's thought affects, as I'll show you, the quality of one's physical being. So science didn't invent uh, the mind-body connection. In fact, God did this. God designed us so that we are an integrated whole, if, if, if you are willing to accept it. In other words, our mind is not detached from our bodies, thank God, and our bodies are not detached from our mind. Uh, because they are connected, it's the mind-body connection. What's going on here in our heads is going to affect the rest of our body. That's just the way it is. Now, science is verifying this. 
uh, I'll share with you some of the research in just a few moments. I don't need that, nor do you, in order to verify the reliability of the scriptures. I just think it's very fascinating and helpful to know that what God said is not uh, contradicted by natural science. No, good natural science really is consistent. It reveals the truths of the scriptures. And so the mind-body connection, the integration uh, of our parts, our mind and our body is very much God's doing. We are connected so that one impacts the other. So your body responds uh, to the way you think and feel. Research, for instance, has clearly demonstrated that negative emotions generated by certain thoughts, for instance, um, can give evidence of suppression of the immune system, uh, can uh, promote fat storage, can cause salt retention, talking about emotions, uh, can exacerbate uh, diabetes, can increase cholesterol content in the blood, uh, can accelerate one's uh, heart rate, can increase blood pressure, can cause lower back pain, on and on and on. Thoughts which generate emotions because of the mind-body connection with which God designed us have a very direct effect on the healthfulness uh, of the body. Science demonstrates it. It doesn't matter. God designed us that way. He declared it in uh, places like Proverbs 17, verse 22. So am I saying that all physical illness is in our head? No, no, no. Let me go back to the earlier disclaimer. I'm not making this so simplified uh, that I'm reducing all physical afflictions to one thing, stinking thinking. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying this is one of the factors, an oft-neglected factor, with regard to the state of our healthfulness, the healthfulness of the body. And so the Bible says a joyful heart is good medicine. Interesting use of the word medicine. That is the only time that word occurs in the entire Old Testament. It's a metaphor, of course. It's not literally medicine in pill form. But God is saying uh, it serves the same function. You take pills to increase the healthfulness of your physical uh, capacities. And God is saying, you know what does that also? A joyful heart is like good medicine for your body. A joy-filled mind is what we're talking about. The Bible says in this passage and many others that a mind filled with joyful thoughts generally leads to a body uh, that is healthier. Uh, but a mind filled with other kinds of thoughts, not so much. It actually could make you sick. That's kind of what the mind-body connection with which God designed us essentially says. And so a joyful heart, says this passage, is good medicine. So is that a guarantee of healthfulness? So, so if you fill your mind with joyful thoughts, is this first guaranteeing that you will not get cancer or have diabetes or suffer from hypoglycemia or, or have a cardiac problem? Absolutely not. It is not a guarantee at all. But the Bible says right here, a joyful heart is good medicine. But now be careful. Remember once I told you that when you select a singular verse of scripture, as I've done tonight for study, you have to make sure that when you extract it, you are not so extracting it from its intended context that you distort its meaning. 
So, so let's look to the immediate context of this singular verse. It's in a book called Proverbs. That's the immediate context of Proverbs 17.22. It's not in the book of Psalms. It's not in the book of Romans. It's not from Exodus. It's not in Revelation. It's the book of Proverbs. Why do I emphasize that? Because the books of the Bible consist of different forms of literature. There's historical narrative. There's prose. There's poetry. And there are proverbial expressions. This is a proverbial expression. Proverbs 17.22. What is a proverb? A proverb is a statement of general truth. It's not meant to be a, a statement of precise scientific truth. So, for instance, I was in New York recently, and if you asked a, 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 a New Yorker, uh, or, uh, or better, where my wife is from, Oregon, if you asked an Oregonian, how's the weather here, uh, one might say to you, oh, it rains all the time. Is that a precise, meteorological, scientifically verifiable statement? No, it is not. It's a proverb. By saying it rains all the time, they're not saying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They're saying it rains so much that our whole situation is characterized by precipitation. They're making a statement of general truth. So in this book of Proverbs, you have a statement like this. It says, a lazy man will not come into wealth, but one who works diligently will prosper. Is that always true? No, it is not. You and I know of some reprobates, some slothful people, some lazy folks who simply come into the inheritance of a deceased aunt and suddenly this irresponsible renegade uh, has inherited great coffers of money. While on the other hand, some who pursue their livelihood quite diligently fall upon hard times and their situation in life is not characterized by financial well-being. So did the Bible lie? No, you misunderstood where that statement was found. It's found in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a statement of general truth. So generally... Proverbs 17.22 is saying, work on the quality of your thought life. Because generally speaking, the quality of your thought life will affect the quality of your physical well-being. Not all the time. So for those of you who are here, thank God for you, and struggling with various physical afflictions, please don't leave here feeling guilty and ashamed because your thought life is so bad. There are many causes for it. I just don't want us to neglect this one. There's heredity, there's genes, there's pollution out there. There's all kinds of stuff. And there's also our thought life. Proverbs 17.22 is saying simply, generally, if you're thinking in a healthy manner, and we'll specify what that means in a second, generally, your body, your physical well-being will be accentuated by it. So, a joyful heart is generally good medicine for the body. Why? Well, because the thoughts of the mind generate the emotions which we experience and the emotions which we feel have an influence on the bodies in which we live. Our emotions, for instance, cause us to sweat sometimes, don't they? You get sweaty palms and 
all, all of that when you're a little nervous. Uh, our emotions sometimes cause us to weep, don't they? It's quite interesting. You're thinking about something sorrowful and sad. It affects your emotional state of affairs, which affects your body. You start, you start secreting tears. Sometimes our emotions make us tremble, don't they? In a situation that is a frightful one, that takes us by surprise, that causes us to panic, Ooh, sometimes we tremble. All of that is evidence of the mind-body connection. It confirms the mind-body connection. Uh, God stated that this is how he made us, and science, as I mentioned, continues to confirm it through its research. For instance, a study was done at the University of Kansas uh, in partnership with the Gallup organization. You know the Gallup organization, they do surveys, they poll people around the world on everything. And so the researchers at the University of Kansas and the Gallup organization uh, did a study involving adults in 140 countries of the world. So this is a rather extensive study. And here's what they found. They found that positive emotions, positive emotions are linked to better physical well-being in every single one of the 140 countries, even in those countries where the people are experiencing inadequate nourishment and inadequate housing. So even in a country, maybe not um, westernized, maybe not wealthy, maybe where people are malnourished and even homeless, the researchers determined, nonetheless... Positive emotions were the singular, most significant factor determining physical well-being even more than nourishment and proper housing in 140 countries of the world. Here's another interesting study. Uh, I found it interesting. Uh, other researchers have determined that emotions like fear or anger uh, when you feel fear or anger, what is happening in you physiologically is that toxins, chemicals are being generated in your bodies and in your minds. I don't know if you knew this. Toxins, they're chemicals. When you experience strong emotions like fear or anxiety or anger. So in an interesting research project, when blood samples were extracted, were taken from those people who had just experienced intense emotions like fear or anger, when they took blood from them and injected their blood into guinea pigs, the guinea pigs died in less than two minutes. So I ask you this. Do you have any idea what damage those toxins are doing to you and me? It's the mind-body mind connection. So the verse we're looking at says, a broken spirit dries up the bones what do bones mean? It's a representation of the entire physical body. Bones means the entire body. To dry up the bones means things like to lose energy, to go downhill in health, or to die slowly. That's kind of what the writer of Proverbs is telling us. A broken spirit dries up the bones. But what's a broken spirit? Another word for broken spirit is a crushed spirit. Some of you here tonight are experiencing it even as we are in each other's company. And I can't tell you how wonderful it is that you've come in spite of it. A broken spirit is a crushed spirit. It's a picture, if you can get this picture, image in your mind of a 
of a person so loaded down with the pressures and the pains of life that they feel crushed by the weight of it all. It's a mind being crushed by the weight of the burdens of life. And you, if it's you, it has been me from time to time. It's all of us. Sometimes we ask the question, I'm a Christian. Why do I feel this way? Where are you, God? You don't have to admit to this, uh, but we do it at times. We say, oh, God, where are you? Where is your help? Can I offer this to you? It seems to me that God only offers us help in carrying the loads God intends for us to carry. So God loves us too much to help us carry loads he doesn't want for us to carry. It seems to me. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think so. There are two such loads in particular that cause our spirits to be broken, our minds to be troubled, for us to feel crushed. One of these uh, loads, which I don't think God ever intended for us to carry, is something called guilt. I don't think he's going to give us grace to carry that load because he doesn't want us to carry that load. You know what guilt is? Uh, A guilt is simply a look backwards. (laughs) So you're here. You're in in the now. (laughs) Guilt pulls you back here. Your, Your physical body is in the now. Your physical body is always in the present. But sometimes your mind is pulled back into the past. So your body stays here, but your thoughts go back here. God doesn't give you the grace to do that. He wants, as a rule of thumb, he wants your mind to be where your body is at the moment. So your body is not in the past. It's always in the present. What does guilt do? Guilt divides us, and guilt takes us back here. Now look at here. Once your legitimate guilt has driven you to the cross... Once you have accepted the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus for the guilt of your sin, it's over and done with. From that point on, God will not give you grace to carry your load of guilt. Why? Because he has cast all your sins behind his back. He's not going to give you the grace to go back here and resurrect them. All these transgressions and sin and wrongdoing. There's legitimate guilt. Once it drives you to the foot of the cross where you say, oh, God, I am a sinner guilty of infractions against your holiness. Please forgive the debt of my sin. Once the Lord Jesus says it is finished, it is canceled out, he will no longer give you grace to let guilt (laughs) carry you back there. So So that is a you know what guilt is? It's a joy killer. A joyful heart is good medicine, but guilt is a toxin. And it affects your physical well-being. Now, there's another one of these um, burdens of life that God does not intend for us to carry. And that's why if you cry out under it, oh, God, where are you? I think if if I could speak for him, I think he's saying, I love you too much to reinforce that habit. I'll not help you carry that load because I don't want you to carry that load. One is guilt, and here's the second, worry. You get no grace to worry. Not going to get it. Why? Because our Father loves us too much to help us carry something that's going to do us in. So if guilt is something that takes us back here to the past, where do you think worry takes us? Yeah, back to the future. 
But the Bible says, give us this day our daily bread, right? You see, God wants us to be. No, he wants us to be in the present. Here, the past is the past. And the future, I don't, I don't control the future. I've not been there. I just know the one who's in charge of it all. He says, stay firmly rooted in your thinking where your, where your body is. It's a good rule of thumb. Wherever your body is, keep your thoughts there. Your body's always in the present. Don't let guilt take you back to the past. Your body's always in the present. Don't let worry take you on into the future. So guilt takes you to the past. Worry takes you to the future. (laughs) And God loves us too much to give us help in carrying the load of guilt or worry. Look, God gives us all the grace we need for now. (laughs) Not for then. Until then becomes now. You understand what I'm saying? So if we're saying, no, 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 but I want my then figured out before the then becomes my now. No, 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 no. God says, if you do that, you won't depend on me every day. That's why God doesn't give us grace for every possible contingency down the road. He only helps us wake up in the morning, finish the course, and go to sleep at night. And then the next morning, I need his help again, don't you? You, you, you see? So, so the two loads that wage war against joyful thoughts, guilt and worry, they're joy killers. But a joyful heart, a joyful mind is good medicine. So I ask you this. Do we, as Christians, I'm only speaking to Christians, do we, as, as, as Christians, do we have a reason to be joyful? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, let me ask you a question because it'll give me a break. It's just us here. What, we, what should we be joyful about? Just say, yell it out. Hopefully we can hear. What do you, what'd you say? You didn't read the cross. What happened on the cross? What else? Salvation. Charlie, salvation. What did you say? Forgiveness. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that unbelievably a, a, a wonderful cause for rejoicing? I'm not a debtor. You're not a debtor. We're forgiven ones. What else? Heaven. Oh, my goodness. I cannot wait. Can you wait? I'm so anxious. I'm not rushing things. But, but, but I can't wait. I have such a limited notion of what it's like. And even that is getting me so excited. Heaven. That's our destiny. What else? You want to throw out anything else? Okay, good. Hope. Absolutely. That is good. Yeah, good. I didn't hear you, but I'm sure what you said is, yeah, look. Okay, here's, you, you answered correctly. You answered, look, look, look. We have reasons to be joyful, uh, folks. So here's the deal. If we have so many reasons, you shared so many good things. If we have such justification, such reason uh, to be joyful, why aren't we? Can I offer this? Now, here I speak to my fellow wounded Christians. I'm one. Many of you are. Sometimes we don't feel the permission to enter into joy. Tell you what happens to us. If we have experienced at some critical time in our life pain, oftentimes imposed upon us, the pain of abuse or the pain of abandonment, or the pain of neglect. 
than years later even, far removed from it. Though we have a new father, a heavenly father, though we be adopted into his family, it's very, very difficult for us to feel the permission to have joy. Because the things that happened to us over here have given us a message. And they've essentially said, in so many words, you're junk and you don't have value and you don't have a right to have peace and you don't have a right to have joy. I know it's a lie. I understand this. But if these things have happened to us at an early age, we've internalized them and they become imprints on our mind. They become strongholds. They have a strong hold on us. So when we get way back here as born again folks adopted into the family of God, we know the theology, we know the Bible verses, we know all the truth, we can preach all the sermons. And just as we're about to experience the joy uh, which the Father has bequeathed to us, there's like a check in us. Oh no, I can't. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. So that's a bit of a that's a bit of a problem. And so, um, could I just could I just say this to those of you who are relating to what I'm I'm saying? And by the way, I I, I hope not everyone can, <laughs> but those of you who know what I'm talking about can relate to what I'm talking about. You just don't feel the permission to have joy. Um, could I simply tell you this? God gave it to us. I wish I had something more profound to say than just that. But I just got to throw that into the mix. My feelings notwithstanding, my heavenly father, wait a second. He didn't only give me permission to have joy. He didn't only give you permission to have joy. Can I up the stakes a little bit? He commanded it. Can I share this with you? Uh, so many places. How about this? Philippians 4, 4. Simple. Listen to this. Rejoice in the Lord. It's everything you said. Relationship with him, his hope, his peace, his grace, heaven. Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. And even then the readers are probably saying, what? What? I'm, I'm a little hesitant. And so the writer in Philippians repeats it. He says, again, I will say rejoice. Could I tell you something? That has the force of command. Do you know God has commanded us to rejoice in the same sense in which, for instance, he commanded us not to steal? We understand thou shalt not steal is like a commandment. But I'm telling you, this is the same thing. Rejoice. I can't tell you how helpful that could be to you. It is to me. When I'm struggling over, oh, but God, me feeling the way I do, can I enter into joy? Can I really feel the permission? It's as if God is saying, ah, I got something better. I order you to. That is so cool. That is so cool. It's God saying, give up on, 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 on experiencing joy in fits and starts. Stop laboring over all this self-condemnation, self-loathing. Stop empowering today those people who did that to you so far uh, in the past. Instead, obey my command. Rejoice. I Look, what's that commercial? Just do it. Who does that? Yeah, yeah, of course you wouldn't know that. You, you know what Abba Father is saying? Just do it. Yeah, but I don't feel... Just do it. Yeah, but that... Per, just do it. Yeah, but... I order you 
to experience joy. Rejoice. So what is joy? Could I offer you this? Maybe it's not the best definition in the world. I'm just trying to figure it out for myself. How about this? Joy is thinking about things the way God does. That works for me. Joy is thinking about things the way God does. That's what joy is. You know what joy is not? Joy is not happiness. Oh, no, no, no. Happiness depends on what happens. So if all that is happening circumstantially meets with your approval or mine, then we're happy. But when that doesn't happen, we're unhappy. But joy is different. Joy comes from the inside. There's nothing to do with the externals. Joy comes from the inside when we think about things with the mind of Christ. When we think about ourselves as Christ thinks about us. I love that he calls you and I his beloved. Don't you just love that? Oh, my goodness. You are my beloved. You are the object of my love. Oh. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us. I love this. That we should be called children of God. Sadly, some here have been rejected by parents. Shouldn't be that way, but it is. Transcendent deity, creator of the universe, who spoke all things into existence in the power of his word. He who has no beginning nor any end. He said, but I call you my child. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (sighs) Joy is thinking about things the way he does. So I start thinking guilty thoughts. Are those those the the thoughts that come from Christ? No, 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 no. What is he saying? As far as the east is from the west, so far have I separated you from your sin. So when worry goes over here, I'm worrying, I'm thinking worrisome. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. He said, be anxious for nothing. (laughs) Instead, pray about it with thanksgiving and I'll give you peace. Joy is something that happens on the inside. It happens between our ears. It's a mind thing. It's a thinking thing when our thoughts come to be in alignment with the mind of Christ. And isn't it good? We spoke a few weeks ago of the fact that now we do have the mind of Christ. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't attain to his thoughts. I didn't know what was on his mind when I was apart from him. Now that I am in Christ, he in the power of his Holy Spirit has helped me to know through the pages of his word, what he thinks. (laughs) And now I have access to the thoughts of Almighty God. Joy is thinking about things the way God thinks about things. So let me close with this. The great physician, the Lord Jesus, has given us doctor's orders. It's a good thing to follow doctor's orders, don't you think? I mean, why would you go to that doctor if you didn't have confidence in him? It's a good thing to obey doctor's orders, but especially it is a good thing to follow doctor's orders when the orders come from Dr. Jesus. Let me tell you what he has ordered us to do. Let me tell you what his prescription for us is. 
I tell you what, let's just take a few of these uh, words <laughs> and uh, sleep on it. Help me memorize this, okay? A joyful heart. Would you say that with me? A joyful heart is good medicine. Is good medicine. Let's do the two. A joyful heart is good medicine. But a broken spirit, say that, but a broken spirit, let's do all three phrases. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Say that, dries up the bones. Okay, let's do all four phrases. See if we can do it. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. I want to tell you something. Those are doctor's orders. Do it. He commands it. Follow the orders of Dr. Jesus. You can do it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have made the prescription. Don't say you can't. Don't say you try. What do you mean you try? We keep trying. (laughs) We keep doing this. A joyful heart. A mind filled with joyful thought. I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about a mind focused on the reason for joy. All the reasons you gave. A joyful mind. Oh, that is good medicine. No toxins. (laughs) Poisoning us. Exacerbating physical maladies. Making our recovery time much longer than it needs to be. No. A joyful, a joy-filled mind is good medicine. But here's the only other alternative. A broken spirit, a crushed spirit, a mind weighted down the two key things, guilt over there, worry over there. Oh, it's poison to the system. It's poison to the system. It makes us more susceptible to colds, to flus, to this, to that. You know how it is. You've experienced it. So have I. You can enter into joy. Why? You're not just permitted to. Forget about what messages you have received from others. The Lord Jesus said, not only are you permitted, just as you are to have joy, I command it. Rejoice in the Lord always. My brother, Brother Chuck, he's always saying, in fact, it gets on your nerves. He's always saying, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Count it all. It's a matter of the mind. And the Lord Jesus says we can do it. So, Lord Jesus, um, yeah, we're going to follow, follow your orders. We're going to take this prescription. We're going to fight. Uh, certain things have been so imprinted on our minds. We've got to fight. We've got to reject them. We've got to replace them with truth. We've got to take every thought captive. We've got to tear down the strongholds. And we've got to pray against the evil one. We've got to take authority. Absolutely, absolutely. We have to memorize scripture. We have to feast on truth. We have the mind of Christ. Oh, God, give us healthy. Wait a second. You have given us a sound mind. Oh, God, we're going to have to reckon on that promise. We're going to have to stop believing the father of lies. Doesn't mean we don't struggle. But we don't have to be mastered any longer by guilt and by worry and, and all the rest. Oh, no. 
we can with abandon throw ourselves into the experience of joy, joy in Christ, peace uh, from Christ, and then we could find its good medicine, healthy for the bones. Thank you for doing all things well. Thank you for the way you made us and designed us. Thank you for giving us the way not only to eternal life, but to an abundant life as well. We love you, Lord Jesus, for all this, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.